Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to our new PR Week podcast episode with Arvind Hickman. Hello, I'm Arvind Hickman and welcome to the PR show. The coronavirus crisis has taken a huge toll on many industries, but one that has bucked this trend is technology. In fact, technology has played a critical role helping us all adapt to COVID in almost every facet of our lives. It has also helped businesses adapt to new ways of working and provided creative challenges and opportunities along the way. PR agencies that specialise in the tech sector have been at the forefront of helping tech firms tell their stories. To discuss all things tech PR, I am joined by Comms Co founder and MD Ilona Hittel, Fan Club PR founder and MD Adrian Ma, Three Monkey Zeno head of tech David Lucas, and Brands to Life business and tech lead Andre Labadee. Welcome to you all. To begin with, I'd like to get a sense for how your tech divisions and agencies have performed. Alona, your agency is a tech specialist. Have you seen a rise in demand and what sort of briefs have been coming through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think at the beginning of the crisis, everybody, there was a bit of a wobble factor and everybody kind of went into initial shock. Um, But really in terms of technology i think our technology clients have really stepped forward um to offer a solution to this pandemic um and we've seen inbound briefs from all sorts of um sectors regarding um technology whether it's smart cities prop tech um customer service technology hr technology and of course a health healthcare, so health tech. Technology has really um, stepped forward in terms of providing a solution to this crisis. I mean, there was an old adage that, um, you know, every company is now a tech company, but I think it's more true than ever. Um, You know, even the industries that you would least expect to be tech enabled, such as, you know, oil and gas utilities, um, heavy, sort of the heavy industries, manufacturing, they've really had to transform within the last, I guess, three, six months. 
Okay. And in terms of um, how this has sort of impacted your business, have, have you seen a rise in revenue? Yeah, so uh, I'd say we've ris- we've grown revenues by about 20% in the last six months, which is pretty phenomenal, actually. We've hired three people. We've, um, and, and, you know, we haven't furloughed any staff at all. Um, and actually, we've been busy. I mean, I, 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 you know, in our industry, obviously, uh, the media is taking a little bit of a hit and there's been sort of fallout in terms of PR and journalism with, with the crisis. Um, but in tech specifically, I think we're relatively, we've been relatively untouched, um, which, which, which is a good thing. Uh, but also, you know, tech, I think, I think I've said to you before, Arvin, that, you know, technology doesn't always hit, hit PR weak necessarily, but it's really, um, I think it's really come to the fore now. Okay. Adrian, what's it been like at fan club PR? Um, I think uh, agreeing with your point that technology has definitely bucked economic trends. I think overall, the prediction is that in the UK, GDP will decline by about 10%. However, much like Elena, we are anticipating modest growth. Um, Again, no furlough, no redundancies. And I think the last few months have been divided up into three different phases. So I think initially, like everyone else, there was the shock of going into lockdown. Every single time I got a text from a client saying, are you around for a chat? My heart was in my mouth. And we, you know, we definitely saw a few cuts. We saw three clients go in the first few weeks. However, there were other briefs coming through as well, and they're quite short term. Um, and much like Alona, I think the, the types of briefs coming through, so healthcare, um, micro mobility, particularly supporting people who don't want to go on public transport, and then e-commerce was was a big growth area for us as well. So that was kind of more in the reaction phase from July onwards as people started to get used to what was going on. However, over the last couple of weeks or months, I suppose, we are definitely seeing more briefs come in, especially from e-commerce as uh, high street shopping declines. However, I would say that it's a different story between agencies and in-house. I think over the last couple of weeks, um, I've seen a lot of people being made redundant as the furlough cash starts to run out. Um, And and there being a lot of restructuring on the in-house side. So I think there's, we do need to approach it with a bit of caution, especially where redundancies are being made. The optics don't sit very well if you have other overheads and suppliers who could be cut too, and PR is one of those. So um, I think we need to be quite careful going forward. Okay. Well, what about you, David? What's the situation been like at Three Monkeys Zeno? I think similar to the others, the others, actually, it's been pretty steady from a tech perspective. You know, I think it's, it's been nice to see that technology brands have had a good story to tell. And what's really interesting is they've actually really been really able to show where they've, they're bringing value to people for the first time and helping us to really understand what it is they actually do and where they can help um, businesses and just the general person on the, the, the street as well. Um, for us, we've seen some really strong organic growth, actually, through this, um, particularly around things like influence and content and as we're starting to look into 2021 now it's I think 
it's, it's really given her time for clients to rethink in terms of what it is they want to do and start coming to us to ask about new briefs um, around those areas as well as um, areas like internal comms, uh, social, for example, and just, just looking at different ways of, of doing things because as we get into next year, we're probably not going to have the same uh, cycle of events that we might have had in, in previous years. We know that we need to be quite agile in terms of how we think about things. So looking into new areas to make sure that we're not just focusing on one particular um, content, so one particular channel means that uh, hopefully they'll be, they'll be best protected in terms of being able to keep uh, hitting their audiences in, in the right way next year. Okay, Andre, what about Brands to Life? Yeah, I think it's a similar story to to the others on the on, on the conversation. Really, it's definitely had an impact. It's certainly not been as as bad as we feared. I think, fortunately, many areas of technology have proven to be pretty resilient. We certainly had a, a handful of clients where investors mandated a, a cut right right across the board in marketing, um, and it's actually turned out to be a pretty small number of clients. And in almost all cases, the budgets have gone up to or or even beyond the the pre COVID levels. We work with a lot of high growth uh, businesses who are at the mercy of, of those kind of decisions. But or, um, organic growth has been absolutely fantastic. You know, we've, we've worked with lots of brands who are um, really coming to us and, and talking to us around how we can create the content and the messaging and pulling out the stories that can help them tell their story around how they're helping organizations and people get through the get through the pandemic and use that as a platform to to go on for 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 continued growth as well so you know it's been really cool working with some of those brands who've really come to the forefront during the pandemic and are making a difference to to their customers but also to the to the world beyond that as well that's a really interesting point that you raised there, Andre, and it's something that I was sort of speaking to with um, David about in terms of how this has been an opportunity for tech brands to tell a good story, uh, especially in the context of the past few years where some of the major tech brands have had a bit of a hard time. I mean, can you sort of give us a, a bit of an idea in terms of what stories are, are doing well and, and getting real traction in the market? Yeah, sure. So. No surprise to anyone that the media landscape is is tough at the moment. It's incredibly tough. I, I can't recall it quite being being quite so challenging to be honest to to land to land stories. I think you know there's no surprise that there's lots of real news happening at the moment. So space is pretty tight. If you look at the the media, the types of stories that are getting coverage are the ones some household names, are the ones with decent imagery, and particularly they're the ones uh, that that tell a story that affects us all. Now, none of that is new, but I think it's become more, more pronounced than ever. So the stories that we're seeing at landing are the ones around, the ones that touch upon issues that we're all facing on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, we've had lots of success with one of our clients, PCOM, which is a data-driven employee success platform. And they've, they've had a huge amount of things to talk around, about around how the whole nature of management and employee engagement has changed given everybody's working um, remotely. Outside of tech, we've done some really cool stories one one example is something we did with Groupon earlier on in the year when a new zodiac sign was announced and Groupon uh, announced that it was offering free tattoo removals for anyone who had a dodgy Scorpio tattoo or, or something like that on their on, on their body so I think something that's really visual really stands out something that really relatable okay uh, David you mentioned before about how this was a great opportunity for the sector more broadly to sort of hit back from the tech lash. Would you, would you care to elaborate on that? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's been a, um, a bit of a mixed picture, but we've seen over the past few years that technology brands have all been tarred with the same brush in terms of, uh, you know, misuse of data, in terms of not being particularly clear in uh, how they're using um, information, um, you know, all kinds of other security breaches, etc., and how they're really um, exploiting that on their business models. And I think this year has actually proven to be a bit of a, a reset in some cases because there have been plenty of brands who, you know, while they weren't the ones who have been um, necessarily doing any of the things that were alleged previously, they um, they have been, been sort of brought into that same category. And so by association, there's been a negative perception for them. And I think actually what this has done is, has been a really good story for the technology sector as a whole, because it's shown that there are lots of tech brands out there who are doing really amazing and worthwhile work. Um, lots of brands have really stepped up. So offering services for free, like supplying laptops to schools, uh, supplying their you know, uh, video conferencing software for free, et cetera. And so that means that those who were just guilty by association had a really good chance to prove that actually they weren't the cause of the, the tech clash. And that's helped to really put them into some good stead. I think that there are some who had challenges previously, have seen some of those accentuated a bit through the crisis. So I think Amazon's an example where on the AWS side of the fence, they had done some really amazing work in keeping businesses online and keeping everyone running in terms of running new, new bits of code, launching new apps, new services, et cetera. But then we've still seen some of the same challenges come out on the retail side of the business in terms of how the warehouses are run, in terms of how they're potentially exploiting small businesses, et cetera. So I'd say it's definitely a, a mixed picture for them. And then Apple, you know, we saw just this week some more uh, court cases coming through for them as well. So I think for the brands that um, were separate to the tech clash, it, it's on them really well. And those that were maybe some of the drives of that, perhaps they are still seeing some of the same challenges. Would you agree on that with that, Adrian? No, I, I disagree with that. I'd say that the public discourse around the, the tech clash is driven by three things. One is the debate about how much tax big tech pays. Secondly, is exactly as you mentioned, David, uh, privacy issues. And I think that documentaries like Netflix, Social Dilemma, um, brought that to the fore fairly recently. And I think the third thing is concern over monopolies as well. And you mentioned Amazon there. Amazon came out with a story that it was making £11,000 per second during COVID. And that comes at a cost. That comes at a cost to local retailers and local business as well. So in my view, the pandemic hasn't really done anything to impact public opinion, opinion on big tech, which is what is driving the tech clash. And I think that until there's some significant changes in these areas, either by companies or by government intervention, this tech clash is just going to continue in a broad sense. Ilona, do you think that um, tech companies outside of, of sort of the big players are being unfairly tarred with the same brush? Or do you think that this crisis has provided them with an opportunity to sort of separate themselves a little bit from the others? I'd say very much the latter, Arvind. I mean, I think when you sent over the question, um, um, in terms of the tech clash and you know if you look at this year in terms of investment in London tech that exceeds I think the whole of Europe put together so um, there's certainly a lot of excitement still around um, scale up and startup brands and they're the ones doing the sort of innovative stuff um, so from health tech apps to um, you know 
customer service apps uh, to kind of cloud-based services that are supporting some of these bigger e-commerce brands. I think this, this sort of scale-up disruptors have really come to the fore and they've really, um, and the other thing about them is that they act very quickly. So from a comms point of view, if you're looking at a moving news agenda, which changes daily and um, you're hopping onto that, then they're the ones that will turn around the the content that will kind of hit the news. And I agree with the, the rest of the team here. You know, the news agenda is very difficult at the moment. It's tight. So you have to be really opportunistic. And I think that's also an area where scale up tech firms have come uh, come to the fore and really benefited. Okay. Andrea, I'll just quickly get your, your thoughts on the tech lash before we move on. Sure. So I I think 100% actually um, that that it's had an impact on how people view technology firms. I think particularly for those technologies that help people connect and, and retain some of what we lost during lockdown, the ones that enable us to to continue to, to behave in, in a certain way like we used to before, the ones that enable us to connect as humans. I think that's that, that's gone a long way in, um, in kind of overriding some of the negative sentiment around the, the tech lash. I also think actually, given it's one of the few sectors that hasn't buckled under the weight of the pandemic, it's probably had a slightly easier ride than it would have done before. I think it's very difficult for policymakers to be seen to be coming down too hard on these tech brands now, given that they are creating and, and sustaining jobs. But I think it's going to be back you know, it was built up over over a decade or more, right? It's not going to slip away that easily. So I think brands have got to work really hard to tell those stories around how they're they're putting their technology to use to help people in society and tackle some of the biggest challenges that we face as a as a human race. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about that in terms of how technology firms are helping industries and and people adapt to COVID. Uh, the obvious one that that everyone can, I, I guess, um, sort of associate with would be companies like Zoom, but there must be many other good stories out there. Can you sort of share us some insights? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think you're right. It's the it's the tech that has impacted on working from home has, has been huge. Um, I think I've seen um, some some pretty impressive setups, certainly on, on clients who work in the tech industry on Twitter. I've seen loads of people tweeting about all the, the gear that they've invested in um, around their desk, around from, from cameras to microphones to devices to switch screen really easily. So that, those brands have done um, pretty well. I, I go to a... Um, a brand I talked about earlier, Pecom, which is which has um, been really fascinating to look at how that's adapted and help businesses understand better how employees are feeling when they're working remotely and then use that data to determine how best to, to manage those employees, how best to handle some of their concerns and some of the uh, the difficulties that they're facing working from home. Because, you know, having working in a business that we use a lot of technology and Teams has been amazing through us throughout lockdown. The, the one thing definitely that that we've that we've had to work really hard at is the creativity. The collaboration is fine. The collaboration tools do that for you. You know, some it, it's very easy to speak to your colleagues as if you were in the office. But I think the creativity piece is one where we've had to really figure out best way to ensure we continue to be creative and look at different tactics to make sure that we still get that that vibe of having the different people with differing views in in the room together to come up with great great creative ideas. 
Okay. Well, we'll touch a little bit on that, that side of things a bit later, but I just wanted to ask the others on, on the panel about technology and how it sort of helped industries and helped people adapt to COVID. Adrian, what insights do you have in, in terms of some really good stories about how tech has come to the fore? So I think what we've seen is um, one of the biggest winners has been in digital healthcare and in fitness. And I think, for example, brands like Peloton has done very, very well. One of our clients is a remote consulting um, healthcare client called Health Hero, and they saw a 300% rise in demand for remote GP consultations during the um, pandemic, which probably isn't surprising. But I think, generally speaking, one thing that we've seen is that the pandemic has accelerated a lot of digital transformation programs. Mm. So for for tech agencies, this means, this means that there's a lot more work to be done in the comms around these, whether that be helping with the sales pipeline for digital consultancies, promoting new products and services that are coming to the market, or even mopping up some of the mess from failed digital transformation programs and digital projects, like, for example, the track and trace um, debacle. Mm. Is there any specific sectors where we're seeing more digital transformation or where that acceleration is, is much more rapid? I, th- I think digital healthcare is is a massive one, and that's been reflected in terms of the amount of investor money is being available, particularly in Europe, for digital healthcare. We're seeing huge transformation programs around healthcare systems, both in the public and private sector, um, and and that's only something that's going to accelerate. I think before the pandemic, only ten percent of GP consultations were done remotely during the pandemic. I think it went up as high as seventy percent in one point. Okay. Elona, what insights do you have in terms of how tech has helped um, industries and people adapt? I think the most interesting thing is that some of the most traditional sectors, so if you take the contact call centre sector, uh, where everybody traditionally, you know, you have thousands strong workforces going into, um, into offices, they've been transformed by, we have a client here called Limitless, which is basically a gig platform, which enables uh, sort of gig workers to support big brands so you know that whole customer contact center model has kind of been revolutionized Um, and if you look at the e-commerce space for example I think some sort of retailers saw you know 2000% growth in some of their sales earlier in the year when when during lockdown and I think some of our sort of cloud um, and SaaS providers have really helped some of the older brands transform their high street outlets and their retail estates into effectively e-commerce centers and the ones that you know I think there's going to be some real winners and losers from from this and I think the ones that go with these kind of tech innovations are going to be the ones that that ride it out and um, and and actually see more growth and probably we're going to see a few more sort of House of Fraser examples unfortunately. That's a really good point. And I wanted to sort of ask you in terms of the winners and losers aspect if you're one of those um, retailers for example that that is managing to use technology effectively how do you then tell your story in a way that is sensitive for the industry because a lot of their their peers and colleagues are being made redundant yes so i think um there's there's always a very positive story to come from the use of technology because it the other the, the other side to that is that um you know it's creating jobs uh it may not be the traditional jobs that um you know in in the warehouses but it will be jobs 
uh, that allow people to work from home. If you look at Limitless, for example, that is supporting the um, customers' contact centres, they're helping those contact centre workers work from home, but equally, um, they're offering opportunities to work to the likes of students who, you know, don't have jobs. There are no jobs. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Opportunities in the hospitality sector right now. So students don't have a chance to earn money. So these types of technology are really helping find new models and ways for people to work. Okay. David, I'll get your thoughts as well in terms of how tech's helping industries and, and people adapt. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think just to add to the last point, I think one thing that, I've, that I found really interesting is how technology companies are looking at the skills that they have within their own businesses and then um, thinking about how they can help bring some of those skills out into the world. So um, if you take the, the last example, you know, it's how brands like Microsoft, Google, who have both announced really big uh, projects to uh, support learning on digital skills, et cetera, how, how those, those are really bringing those, those skills out um, into students or people who have, have maybe lost their, their jobs during all of this. So I think that's, that's been a really, really good news story. I think that the more that the, the brands that we work with, who are, you know, most of them experts in their field, can bring some of these um, skills outside their own organization, show that they're good corporate citizens and that they really understand what's going on in the world, and then bring some of those um, into um, other industries too. I think that that will really help and that, that will help go some of the way towards the tech lash um, conversation we're having earlier, but also just really show how they are they are supporting more broadly. Um, but I think too, just just I think everyone made really good points there in terms of the industries that have been um, successful. But one thing that, that we did recently was some uh, research around the type of stories that are cutting through. And I think you know, good news stories are um, really, really interesting to media right now. And for me personally, it's those those stories around those those small businesses that are going online for the first time, the kind of one-man bands who would never have thought about um, having a digital transformation, wouldn't have even known what any of these services were um, seven months ago, and are now off racing online and keeping their livelihoods going literally by using some of the, the, the platforms that our clients offer. So uh, one of my colleagues actually mentioned his local Vietnamese restaurant who have loved selling online so much that they're actually not going to open the restaurant doors anymore. We'll just keep on selling online to so their local neighbourhood. And I think those, for me, are the really inspiring human stories and it feels like those are also getting good cut through with media as well okay let's touch a little bit about one of one of the sorry let's touch um on one of the major issues that have sort of come to the fore during the crisis and that's data and privacy 
Um, there's obviously been a lot about test and trace. And of course, there's that Netflix documentary that was mentioned before, The Social Dilemma. And there's a lot of sensitivity um, in the general population around data. How difficult is this story to tell? And what are some of the things that clients need to be mindful of when they're trying to um, tell their story around data and privacy? Alona, I'll start off with you. Sure. So um, uh, I think it's really it's really hot in the media agenda right now. Um, I've had a few conversations this week with various investors, and um, uh, I think the media are looking for opportunities to show this kind of big big brother angle. But um, I think the main thing is a lot of these uh, test and trace apps, not necessarily the one that has been developed, um, are really offering benefits to um, to the health sector. They're offering benefits to the public citizen. I mean, we need to have some of this data to inform us in terms of how things have changed since COVID. You know, I mean, if you think about AI and AI is all about learned data and patterns, what has COVID done to that, right? We need to have some of this data to ensure that we're We've got safety on our roads. That we have, um, say, you know, we have um, safeness in our private lives. I think we just need to communicate that, um, and also act responsibly when it does come to to data. Um, and organisations need to have policies ready, and you know, it needs to be very clearly stated on on their online presence, and and it needs to be communicated as well as you know the stuff that's working on the app and the positives behind the sort of technology developments. Okay, Adrian, what's your views on data and privacy and, and how companies sort of handle that? It's a really, really sensitive topic. And I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. I think one of the interesting things that we've seen during the pandemic is an increase in the number of security threats that have been to public data. Um, and I know PwC did a report fairly recently on the increase of um, cyber threats. And there are some sources stating that there's been a 400% increase in these I think from, from our perspective, we're also seeing that there are more and more threats to public data. Like there, there will be many times when a client will contact us, contact us because they have been alerted to a particular threat and that could be um, a, a ransomware attack or it could be a compromising of, of one of their data centers. So I, th I think for, for PR agencies just generally, I think we, and in the in-house team, we need to really, really upskill to know how that we manage these situations. And that goes from working with GCHQ right through to our responsibilities to the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, to work with them to get through all of this. And I think um, th that's gonna be one of the big things that all of us will need to work on going forward. Okay. Andre, what's it like at Brands Life in terms of um, skilling up and making sure you're across data and privacy? How have you sort of it's, handled that with your team? It's a really it's a really interesting area, actually. And we have quite a few clients who, who are in broadly um, the data space. I think to, 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 to the early comment, like the, the, the thing with data is that it's not really about the numbers. It's about it's about the people. And I think we have to be really careful in telling data stories, particularly around things like track and trace and, and privacy, because it impacts people and it impacts people's livelihoods and, and how they go about their day, their daily life, particularly with all the restrictions that have that have been in place. So you have to be super sensitive to that. It, we've also seen it, I guess, thrust into the to the limelight over the past um 
few months with with things like track and trace so one of our clients actually was was involved in the first track and trace app and we did some really interesting work with it um coming out coming out in, in a long blog post which gave a kind of insight into the backstory behind it and it was fascinating because the aim here wasn't to pitch one app against the other it was to give people the insight into into how it was developed and to shine a spotlight on the amazing work that went into it because i do think people are growing in their in their interest and their awareness of data and it's not the geeky topic it might have been five years or so ago we we also work with um click on uh, on its global data literacy project and this has been going for a couple of years and this is all around helping educate people around the power of data and how working with data and understanding it can be beneficial to them and what the events over the past few months have done is really given lots of opportunities to go and talk that and use the the way data has been used by government as a jumping off point to talk about how data can be can be beneficial and to tell some really nice stories around that given it's it's much more prominent in our consciousness than it ever was before. Okay. David, what about a three monkeys Xeno? How much of a big issue has data and privacy been? I think it's been an issue for all of our clients. I mean, any any tech company is managing a certain amount of data for their for their clients, consumers, um, partners, etc. So it, it's always front of mind. Um, we've actually, as much as possible, tried to, to to turn it into a positive conversation. So for Okta, over the summer, we uh, commissioned research around the cost of privacy. So looking at uh, what people were willing to exchange for different bits of personal information but tied that into the uh, contact tracing story so actually able to talk to people in a, in a way of saying okay if you hand over x piece of data here's what might happen with it but then tie that into something which is happening around the world right now so i think for us it's actually turned into a, re a really nice chance to tell the uh, complex story of how data is being handled and the value exchange that goes along with that in a way that people can really understand on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think there is that, that trade-off. Like we've all seen that, that you know, the only way that we'll get through this crisis is if we share data about what works, what doesn't, and potentially hand over some basic information about our lives. Um, but there's still some reluctance around that. And I think that there, there's still a real job to be done in, in demystifying that more broadly, like we've seen this week, that there's been stories around the police potentially getting information uh, that, that's shared by the COVID uh, tracking app. And then the BBC has said, actually, that's not the case. So people are still coming back and saying, well, they, 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 they can, et cetera. So I think that there's still a, a, a big job to do, but the more that we can do to put people in terms they actually understand and, and not in the in the terms of the kind of 10 page list of t's and c's that everyone signs up for i think that's the way that we'll, we'll start to get around it okay another big topic or or area um, that a lot of people are talking about at the moment is the green recovery um it's being mentioned by some politicians it's being mentioned by some of the large companies i'm just curious and i'd like to get your views on this how big of an issue is this for your clients and and what are they actually doing about it to sort of tell that story let's start off with you alana I think uh, one of the really positive things to come from this crisis is that, you know, with the rebuilding and uh, rethinking of business models, they're also uh, thinking about sustainability plans at the same time. So I was on a sort of oil and gas and manufacturing virtual press event recently, and um, a lot of the business leaders there were talking about how COVID had cut, obviously, carbon emissions, but moving forward, it would be part of the the ongoing business model and part of their wider sustainability plans. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of green tech that's that's also 
coming coming out and being launched. But I think um, in terms of next year, I think resilience and sustainability will be two strong themes for 2021. Okay, do you see that as well, David? Yes, definitely. I think you know the the the, the crisis has shown us the importance of technology companies. It's shown us that the the platforms they provide are really intrinsically linked to our uh, broader success and so with that obviously comes the reliance on the data centers that they use etc so I, I think most of our clients are really stepping up in that respect and we've seen um, Google recently make pledges around being being carbon negative um, I think that there's um, lots more that we're coming through this because as you know as we all look to the future we will hopefully be you know traveling less for business etc or trying to use data in in smart ways i think all this will really come down to how how well our our client our, our technology clients can 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 show us that they are helping us to use that, that 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 data in a really green way okay adrian i'll get some comments from you in terms of green recovery pretty much here all of our clients are focusing on sustainability efforts and realize the context and of their operations within the sustainable ecosystem. I think what we're also seeing is that there's a massive gap between what needs to be done and the amount of investment required to do this. So when you're thinking about the challenges, transforming transport infrastructure, uh, reducing emissions from an aging housing stock in the UK, changing all of our diets, these are grand, massive challenges. And the resources of this standard are going to fall short in terms of how we're going to meet those challenges. But no matter how much money we pump into this stuff, the only way we're going to close this gap is through innovation. So technology is going to play a massive role in the green recovery. And to enable this, a lot of our clients also understand that they need to work collaboratively. And this is where the focus of comms is really, really taking place. People, all these companies realizing that they have all this specialized skill and all this data, but actually they need to talk to each other. And as the writer Matthew Said would say, create this diversity of thought to unlock these solutions that are going to help with the green recovery. Okay, Andre, I just wanted to get your thoughts about that as well. And specifically in terms of this gap between the investment that's required and, and what people are, are talking about, do you believe that some of this green recovery talk is a bit of spin and, and, and not as genuine as it might be? I think with, with any topic like this, there's always going to be an element of uh, insert word and then washing after it, right? So I do think there are definitely some some brands out there who are jumping on the bandwagon a little bit, but I do totally agree with Adrian in that, you know, tech tech has played and will play a huge role in, in solving some of the problems that we're facing, such as the climate crisis and helping us getting out of the, the, the situation that we're in. And I do think we're going to see some really cool innovations vying for the £40 million uh, government fund that was announced fairly recently. Purposes obviously been a big topic for for tech brands and tech agencies over the past few years and i think this is probably the latest incarnation of that for for tech brands but it is one where they can have real influence by putting their technology to use for good okay final area i wanted to cover was creativity and whether technology has enabled creativity or whether it's been a bit of a challenge for creativity i'll start off with you adrian what's your view on that then you've got some good examples uh, yeah, well, I think it's it's been um, it's it's definitely enabled uh, creativity. I think, for, in terms of where we are in the pandemic and it's where people have been forced to work from home, there's been a couple of interesting developments. I think one is 
bringing to the fore new types of digital tools we can use for collaboration, like Miro being one of them for whiteboarding ideas at every stage. But I think technology is also being used to power creativity. So for example, with, with some of the work that we're working on at the moment, we are able to pull audience data really, really quickly by looking at social channels, media monitoring and topic buzz analysis. And then we can use that to inform creative campaigns that make a lot of impact. I think another area where it's, it's impacting creativity is when we're thinking about the ideas, we're not necessarily thinking about ideas that are going to get, make it past the editor, make it past the picture editor or the, the features editor, because actually ideas can now live in social media and likes and shares are determining whether stories are getting shared and algorithms are also acting as editors as well. So when we think about some of our work that we've done in the past, like some of the content campaigns we did for the charity Plastic Oceans, we served people, um, we, we, hit, we rigged up a, a chip shop and we serve people fish and chips, but instead of giving them fish, we serve them a piece of battered plastic and recorded their reactions. And you can imagine they went absolutely ape. And it was really great because all of that was based on some data that by, the, by 2050, there could be more plastic in the oceans than fish. And this is the future of fish and chips. So if it's not to your liking, you can take action now. So that's an example of, of where we were able to use some of that data to inform the creative and where the creative itself didn't rely on editors where it was able to live and breathe in the social media world. But of course, actually, it did, it did get some decent coverage as well. That's an interesting point that you raised there in terms of bypassing the media and how technology now allows you to do that. But what about yourself, Alana? How has tech helped you in terms of creativity or, or has it been a hindrance? Well, I think... Um... I think it's about the pandemic as much as the technology. You know, the pandemic has driven us online to use a lot of these channels. Um, certainly between our team, we communicate um, probably more so than, than when we were face-to-face, -face, although, you know, creativity can be sparked with our occasional visits to the office. But we're, we're Skyping each other all the time, and that's partly because the news agenda is changing so rapidly. Um, and we have Skype groups with clients now um, so that we can run ideas past them and get them immediately turned around. I mean, the news agenda is changing on a daily basis. You know, we went into the lockdown with one new client in HR tech where we were, we had a campaign to talk about performance management. And by sort of a couple of weeks later, she became the sort of lockdown guru, you know, in terms of how to manage people's um, well-being throughout lockdown. So, um, and that went national. So I think the, the the whole agenda and the way the fact that, that you know the news is changing so frequently means that you don't have corporate campaigns anymore it's a kind of daily it's a daily you know we're becoming much more like journalists um than than prs i guess okay are you becoming more like a journalist than a pr andre well we certainly have to um keep a, a super close eye on the media agenda we've always done that but you know i do agree with some of those points we, we we've we've the media landscape been so tight as it is at the moment has forced us to, to be even more agile than we were before so yeah lots lots more collaboration lots more sharing ideas of the as the others have said tech, tech has enabled that but you know as i said earlier we do we have had to work harder to you know we have had to make sure that 
the, the working from home environment that everybody's in isn't stifling that. Because if you think about it, you know, m- most of us are sat at, at a desk eight, nine hours a day, right? You know, it's been, it's difficult to switch from writing your PowerPoint presentation or your Word document to switch into brainstorm mode and start coming up with some creative ideas. So we've made sure that people are have the platforms and the forums and, and the channels to share ideas constantly, whether that be sparked by what they're seeing in the media, sparked by what they're seeing out out their window, probably less to see than they would have done if they were out and about, but just making sure that creativity does not fall at all. And I think it's improved by putting focus on it. Okay. David, how is Three Monkeys Xeno making sure its employees who are sort of locked up in their bedrooms on Zoom staying creative and sharp? I'm doing a few things actually. Um, while we could get out and about in uh, London, we organised some uh, small creative safaris for groups to get together and go and visit different um, exhibits. Just just to think about different ways of, of doing things to put themselves in different mindsets for a while. Um, what we've really tried to do as well is make sure we've got a really strong focus on on showing the good work taking place through the agency. Because when you're in the office, you hear about the latest piece of coverage, you hear about these great campaigns that are launching, there's a buzz around someone doing something, but that's, that's obviously quite hard to recreate when everyone's uh, sat at home. So we've put a real focus in our monthly or company meetings on showcasing great work. And that's been really great to see. It's been really great to see how brands have adapted, how, you know, for, for me in, in my team, which looks after technology, how our consumer colleagues have done things, how our social colleagues have, have, have done things. Um, what learnings we can really bring from that um, into our uh, thinking as a team. So that's all been, been really, really good as well. Um, and more broadly, is trying to make sure that as much as possible, we are looking at great work and that we are bringing in, um, bringing in different ways of thinking all the time. And I think some of the other points that were being made there, you know, I think uh, smart use of data has been a must for us for quite a few years now. So making sure that, you know, while creativity is, is, is always at the heart of, heart of what we do, that we're also bringing that element of science through that so that we're really understanding what is going to, um, what is going to trend well with media, where the white space is, et cetera. And then more broadly, just making sure that we're that we're keeping a, a close eye on what's happening out there because we've seen fatigue um, around, you know, Zoom campaigns and uh, campaigns which are maybe looking at the sort of work from home um, story through the lens of, you know, sort of London office workers rather than going more broadly. So trying to make sure that as much as possible, we are thinking about the audiences in the broadest possible terms and just using technology in, in really different, exciting ways. So one campaign we launched for the Novo a couple of weeks ago was a, a partnership with, with the United Nation, which is virtual reality to tell the stories of inspiring women. So actually taking the fact that we are all um, not not traveling quite so much and sitting at home quite quite a bit more, but using that to our advantage and creating some really lovely immersive experiences, which meant that people could experience these uh, stories in a completely different way to how they might have done, done otherwise and previously. Okay, fantastic. I'm afraid that's all we have time for. Thank you, Ilona, Adrian, David, and Andre for joining us and our production partners, Marketeers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit the PR Week website and support our journalism. On behalf of the PR Week team, until next time, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the PR Show podcast with Arvin Hickman. Brought to you by PR Week. If you like what you heard, please leave us a nice review. Even 
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.